0: Have you stay on your feet for just a moment as we turn to God's Word. You can find the text from Philippians chapter 2. It's right there in your bulletin or on page 981 of those pew Bibles. The apostle is rejoicing in the spread of the gospel and God's work through him, in him, in spite of himself. Uh, he is rejoicing and he calls the church to the same, to rejoice, work out this salvation, that God is graciously working in them. It's just amazing as we read how Paul considers the joy of the church, even as he himself is being poured out uh, as an offering uh, to the Lord in service to them. So uh, we'll pick up in verse 19, reading to the end of the chapter. "'I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare.' For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Oh God, we do praise you for this word. A word that comes from your very heart to our ears, and we pray that you would work it into our hearts even now. Speak, Lord, through your servant, guide our understanding. We need your help, Holy Spirit, to illumine this word into our hearts that we might apply it faithfully in the hours and days ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Karen Kingsbury has a lovely little book called, Let Me Hold You Longer. And uh, the the illustrations in the book are are terrific. And it's written from the perspective of a mom who is reflecting on the events in the life of her son, but not those first events, like you usually keep track of when you have a little one, but on the lasts, Um, the last things from infancy uh, all the way to that time uh, leaving for college. Uh, so things like a last bottle, the last nap, um, the last pillow fight, the last ball game, the last camping trip, all of those things. And she's just thinking how quickly time goes. Um, I'm just going to read the last uh, page here. And she is, uh, there he is in the car getting ready to go to college. And she's waving, and there's this, this look of, of sadness on her face. It says, For come, for come some bright fall morning, You'll be going far away. College life will beckon in a brilliant sort of way. One last hug, one last goodbye, one quick and hurried kiss, one last time to understand just how much you'll be missed. I'll watch you leave and think how fast our time together passed. Let me hold on longer, God, to every precious last. You know, it is tough to part with those that we love, even when we know that we need to it may be for a short time, uh, for an undetermined amount of time, but it takes a deep trust, it takes a willingness to let go for the growth of, of the one who may be going, uh, like a mother waving a, a child off to college uh, it may, or, or for the health of the family or. The health of the church. I think maybe even for a nation. You think of our military families sending off a spouse uh, or mom or a dad on a deployment or training, one that they love, one that they need. They want to hold on, but at the same time, they know just how encouraging and helpful their loved one will be uh, for others. Uh, We hear this sentiment in Paul's words at the close of chapter 2. Here are two men that are very dear to the Apostle Paul. They have served him, uh, served him in time of great need. Uh, They have stood behind him. Uh, They've walked beside him uh, through his ministry. Uh, One of these men is Timothy that he hopes to send back to the church. uh, and The other he has to send back, just for his own sake, as well as for the sake of the church. We can really appreciate the Apostle's honesty in these words. He wants to send them back, but they've been a tremendous help, a tremendous encouragement. It has to be hard for him to let go, uh, even when he knows that he needs to. Um, These are men of God, men of service, service to Paul, service to the church. And so I want us to consider how they fulfill that service to him and to the church and how um, the things that we can learn from that uh, as a church ourselves. How could they do this? How could he commend them? in the way that we've just read. And uh, Paul hopes to send Timothy, we learn in verse 23, but he wants to know a little bit more about how things are going to work, perhaps how his trial is going to end up uh, before he does this. He's still confident that he's going to return back to the church in person, and so he he wants to send Timothy on ahead of him, trusting in the Lord for this. It's the Lord that is determining when Timothy will travel. He makes that uh, clear. Uh, So I love love to see how he's working out, Paul's working out his salvation, even in confinement. Seeking, trusting, anticipating how the Lord uh, is going uh, to work, what he will do. Uh, But parting parting with Timothy is going to be tough. Um, And being as separated as we are from this time period, I think it's hard for us to understand. This is a dear son in the faith to Paul. Paul, I mean, they have endured struggles together in church planning. They've endured the the spreading of of the gospel together. That one-mindedness that Paul is calling the church to in the beginning of this chapter, that's what he and Timothy have. That's what they share. They know each other so well. And they share this work as a father and a son. That The church would have been familiar with Timothy already. Uh, But verse 22 could be the highest praise uh, that he could give to Timothy in endorsing Timothy's character. Many families of this time would have been working on farms. And so the father and the son would have been side by side out in the field. And that that dad slowly giving the son more and more responsibility. And if they were living in a city, then then the son would inherit that family business. Remember, um, it was neat to see while living in Iowa, you'd drive by some of these farms. There'd be a, a good-sized sign out in front that said Century Farm with the last name of the one who owned that farm. So you knew at least that that farm had been in that family for a hundred years, oftentimes from one generation to the next, father and son. So for a son to be attentive and come alongside the father was the highest praise. And Timothy had served alongside Paul. Um, That fatherly love and compassion that Paul has uh, for Timothy just shines through here. Uh, So Paul's joy, his concern, it's shared by Timothy. Uh, As one commentator put it, Timothy has inherited the spiritual priorities of his father. This is a genuine tag-team ministry between the two of them. Uh, Timothy's concern would be for the welfare of the church. It's possible that Paul has in mind, verse 20, those who are sharing the gospel, but not for the sake of the gospel, not for the sake of Christ, for their own self-interest. He may have them in mind as he as he says this. Um, but it's not Timothy. In fact, there's no one else like Timothy uh, on his concern for the church of Christ. See, well, does that mean that Timothy is the the only man left standing with Paul, the only only one who has a true concern focused mission on the gospel? Um, not necessarily, but we do know that when Paul writes directly to Timothy in those letters, there aren't many left that are, um, are not distracted in some way by their own self-interest uh, in the spread of the gospel. So Timothy has a heart for Christ. He has a heart for the church. And he's going to serve Paul by, by sending back news of how this church is doing, cheering him up in his confinement. I think of the words of Proverbs 15 says, good news refreshes the bones. Paul could use some of that good news right now, some of that refreshment. Uh, that would have been a real service to him and a real motivator for the church. Uh, in these words, Paul is very optimistic, expecting to hear a good report from the church. Is that what Timothy is going to find when he goes back to Philippi? I think that would be pretty motivating uh, to try and live in such a way so that that report is good. So some of the things that we can learn from this potential sending of uh, Timothy. One thing that it makes clear is that Paul did not go about his ministry in a vacuum. Uh, even though he may be imprisoned, he's not completely isolated from others. He's not yet physically, nor, nor has he been this way throughout his ministry. Um, He's relied on others, those who are hosting him in his travels, those who have traveled with him, served alongside him. It's a grace of God in our lives to have those who can come alongside us and encourage us in the cause of Christ, to show us that we're not alone, to share that burden in the interests of the church. And we prayed for General Assembly. Such a a good picture of this. As, as those come together in, in North Carolina this upcoming week, to be, to be encouraged in the work, that they're not alone, be spurred on by the ministry of others. That's all going to be happening this week. Please continue to, to pray for this assembly. Uh, as we look for ways to serve in the church, we also need to be willing to receive the ministry of others uh, while we're serving. That's why it's so important as we, uh, as we travel, uh, for work or vacation over the course of the summer, as you even think about relocating. Uh, be thinking about where is, the, where is the family of God in this place? Where are the God-fears that I can encourage and I can be encouraged by uh, as we travel and move to different places? What we see in Timothy a man as a genuine concern for the church. Can that be said of you? Do you have a genuine concern for the church? Do I have a genuine concern for the church? we consider the needs of the church uh, really over and above our own, but to think that that which is best for the church is part and parcel to our own welfare? Um, I think if we're honest, we're typically not asking, what can I do for the church? How can I serve the church better this week? It's not usually what's on our mind. Um, Oftentimes we hear, well, what can the church do for me? Uh, how can it meet my needs? We, we see this all the time. Uh, folks, folks will move from one church to another. We, we certainly, we're not immune to church. In fact, it's well ingrained, that sort of American consumeristic mentality to just shop around. Right? Well, that church just didn't meet our needs. Okay. And there are some legitimate times, that's true. But so often, well, what do we perceive those needs to be? What is our hearts truly concerned with? The welfare of the church and coming alongside brothers and sisters who are, are hurting yet hopeful? Or do we think about um, what we're going to get out of it more often? Uh, Timothy had a proven commitment, proven concern. the church and consider this that the more we are willing to commit and invest in the life of the church the more we will receive as we place the welfare of the church serving and sacrificing for the bride of christ uh, this is a blessing to us we are built up in this and we're going to be infused with the same kind of joy as the guy writing this letter out of service to the church. So Paul hopes to send Timothy, but he has to send uh, Epaphroditus back to uh, his home church. Did you catch why he had to do this? Um, For his own sake, to relieve some of the uh, concern, worry over Epaphroditus, but also for the church's sake. They're worried about him. Uh, And Epaphroditus was sick in in a couple of different ways we see. He was physically sick, Very likely the journey to Rome to see Paul, Uh, he had contracted an illness through that. Um, But he was also also homesick. Um, He knows the church is worried about him. He wants to be back there to to relieve some of their concerns, so he longs to to comfort them. Um, But he had been a great service to, uh, to Paul and to the church because he knows his audience so well and how important titles are in the Roman colony, he just strings them all together here. Five different titles in commending Epaphroditus. He's a faithful messenger. He's a fellow laborer in the gospel. Because there's a lot of military veterans here, well, he's a, he's a fellow soldier for the cause of Christ. That would have resonated strongly with them. I think we learn a lot about just how much Paul appreciated this man in his response to almost losing him. God showed mercy in restoring Epaphroditus to health, but he showed great mercy to the apostle, even as he faces his own potential death. Losing this man would have, would have grieved him deeply. I, th- I think it may surprise us a little bit. In a letter that's just filled with joy, rejoice, take joy, that Paul is absolutely real about sorrow and sadness. The kind of sadness that you and I face or are facing right now. Um, and it, it's the joy and the sadness that so often comes right together, doesn't it? Okay? We have to say farewell. Maybe for a short time a friend is moving away or there's a deployment coming or off to college. Or maybe it's a farewell knowing we won't be together again until we see Jesus. Even with the hope that, that one day all this sorrow, all this sadness will be wiped away, it still hurts. Death may be far better. Paul has told us that, but it's still very painful. So as Christians, we need to remember, we're not called to, to hide or to somehow get over grief somehow ignore the crushing of our spirits? No, no. We turn to God, to the God of all comfort, to the God of all mercy, to the God who heals our hearts so we might hope in Him, that we might rest in Him. And because death and even the potential for it has been swallowed up in victory through Jesus Christ. So God knows our needs in the exact moment and the season of the journey. And for Epaphroditus to be reunited with, uh, reunited with the church would ease Paul's concern, would ease his burden. Okay. And so in effect, this is a service to Paul to send this homesick man back to his home church. It uh, brings a smile to picture the, the happiness of the church as seen this faithful messenger. I can remember several years ago coming home from a, uh, California. I was, I was on a trip and... Um, The kids had made a banner with some help from mom. They were kind of small at the time. But they had made a banner and plastered it across the garage door. So as soon as I drove in, you know, welcome home, daddy. And it was a huge celebration. I didn't make it two feet out of the car. Uh, That's what's on Paul's mind. He's eager for this to happen. Because Epaphroditus is reunited with his church family. He's also been a great service to the church. Let's not miss that. Uh, He doesn't want them to worry or be discouraged. So in returning with news of Paul, it's going to be a relief uh, for them. He's been a faithful delegate on their behalf. Paul says what you couldn't do being so far away, he's done for you in, uh, alongside me on my behalf. A man of service. And in his service, he almost died. Uh, maybe you can hear a parallel from what we've read before. This would have been a couple weeks ago. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And being found in human form, he, that is Jesus, humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. And that phrase there, that point of death, and nearly died, that Paul says of Epaphroditus, the exact same words in the original. Paul's being very intentional here. This man is following in the footsteps of his master. The ultimate man of service. So unity in the church hinges on the humility of its members. And we see it in Paul. We see it now in Timothy and Epaphroditus as they follow Christ in his own humility. They're thinking, what a special homegrown model they have of the humility that uh, Paul desires. Men who risk, men and women who, who risk their life for the gospel, know them well, honor them. He writes in 1 Corinthians 16, after uh, commending several church members who had helped Paul along the way, he says, give recognition to such folks. um, Those willing to give their lives for Christ and the welfare of his church. So I wonder if you know anyone like this. Models of humility and sacrifice uh, in their walk with the Lord. God gives us examples. He provides for us uh, through others. They may be living examples. They may be those who have gone before us. I've been really encouraged, sort of spurred on as my walk with the Lord, particularly as a, a preacher lately, by reading through uh, Arnold Dallimore's biography of George Whitfield. Uh, just what he endured as he traveled across Europe, as he made, eventually it would be, 13 trips across the Atlantic Ocean to, to serve in, in uh, New England. The opposition that he faced in, in ministry... Uh, by those who were jealous or those who just wanted to grab some power. Uh, he would respond with such humility and such grace, if he responded at all. So much of the time, he would just let the, you know, the, leave the critics to their own devices. Well, he preached to tens of thousands of people at a time. This was before you know, this thing and all the amplification. Tens of thousands. At one point, Benjamin Franklin was actually listening to him. They became very good friends. He estimated over 30,000 people were listening to him at one time. Um, and yet, towards the end of his life, he says, May the name of Whitfield vanish from the earth. May it disappear if Christ is magnified. Uh, probably the most well known preacher all in the world over uh, at the time. I think what an example. Uh, in the lives of, of, of those kind of men and women should inspire us, should encourage us uh, in the midst of this battle so that we are better prepared to lay down our own lives for uh, the sake of Christ. Uh, something else we need to consider uh, is that the church sent Epaphroditus on their behalf. Um, they were concerned for him, but they sent him out in the first place with this financial gift and in order to, to minister to Paul. So they knew there would be risk. But it was important enough to them to to send this fellow worker, this fellow soldier on his way. Um, We need to be willing as a church to send those in our midst in service to Christ. Uh, It may be to foreign fields, it may be more locally in church planting uh, for other purposes. Uh, But as we encourage one another, as we help one another discern our, our gifts... We can, with sadness, yet confidence, send. Um, Send those that we love. church in Austin, Texas, did this a few years ago. Ronnie Smith, his wife Anita, and their young son, they went, uh, they traveled from Texas to Libya, had a heart for the Libyan people, and Ronnie was teaching chemistry at the international uh, school there in Benghazi. And uh, they had been in the country for about a year and a half, about 18 months or so. And on early morning in December, Ronnie was out for a jog near the US Embassy and he was shot and killed. Uh, and uh, this, this Christian brother he was strongly influenced by Pastor John Piper. And here's just a short snippet of John's very careful response. The whole point of Ronnie's life is that there is something worse than death. So he was willing to risk his own life to rescue others from something far worse. I call thousands of you to take Ronnie's place. They will not kill us fast enough. Let the replacements flood the world. We do not seek death. We seek the everlasting joy of the world, including our enemies. If they kill us while we love them, we are in good company. Jesus did not call us to ease or safety. He called us to love for the sake of His name everywhere among all peoples. We must be willing to go. We must be willing to let go for the call of our Savior. It is hard. It is hard to let go of those that we love, even when we know that we must. God the Father let go, He gave His only Son so that He could call you a son or call you a daughter. God the Son offered His life, not of self-interest, but out of genuine concern for the welfare of the church. Putting the welfare of others before own that doesn't come naturally. So we look to the humility, we look to the service of Christ. It's God the Spirit that works this gospel deep into our hearts. It's the beauty, the wonder of the gospel that enabled these men to, enables every one of us to be men and women of service. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful beyond what our words can even say that you let go of your Son for us. Because you knew, you knew what what joy, what pleasure there would be as you brought us to yourself. we thank you for this grace we thank you for the ultimate man of service in the lord jesus we pray lord that as we as we look to christ as we see the examples of those around us those who have come before us and we honor them we look to imitate them and their humility and their love for you we offer this in jesus name and for his glory amen